we all knew God. We kind of intuitively did as little kids. We're like, God's good and, and life is good. And then relationships, uh, we, get, we get dumped on by a, a, a girl, a boyfriend, whatever. And all these things start to, and then we throw the good news on there where he's mad at you. No wonder we're a mess. Does that make sense? We don't trust anybody now. Our heart gets hard and closed and we can't even hear it. And he says, this is how the kingdom's gonna work. I'm gonna share the good news of Jesus Christ and your heart is gonna be how much you receive of me. Follow me? It says, if you have a stony heart, how much do you receive of him? Not much. And there's another heart where if you go, it's so good, but then the enemy comes and steals the word sown, right? What does that mean? It's typically the religious guys that'll tell you that's too good to be true. They go, that can't be. You gotta jump through these hoops and be miserable like me. That's how I look at most religion, to be honest with you. And so, uh, so we quote unquote get saved. We, we see this little African guy and goes, fantastic testimony, two people raised from the dead today. Whoa, that's different than my, my Dutch Reformed church that I grew up with in Iowa. I never saw that or heard that. Follow me? So we told Pastor Ted at the time, Ted, if this is real, I wanna go to Africa and see all this and we'll pay for the trip. <clears throat> so sure enough, because here's, here's how I hear from a lot of the charismatic word of faith circles that we ran in. The, our youth just need to see the power of God. How many of you have ever heard that? Did every Pharisee and Sadducee see the power of God? Did they believe one thing? No. Did people, were people raised from the dead every week we're in Africa? Do they believe the Father loves them? Not one bit. No. So it's not that. I knew that. That was the biggest thing I got from Africa. Wow, God's real. And so... You know, do I, do I love the miracles of God? Yeah, but it's just a natural thing. We don't have to produce any of it, to be honest with you. We can just expect him to, to, for him to be good and not worry about our measly little faith that we try to build up. Does that, does that make sense? He goes, because when, we, when we're without faith, his faith remains faithful because it's one faith that we all live in. Him. Does that make sense? He knew that the father wouldn't leave him in Sheol in hell and he knew that all humanity was tied to him as the second Adam. So anyway... So we went there and uh, go, that's not it. And then I heard Joseph Prince. I'm just kind of sharing you my journey because I think a lot of you guys are in different pages of this. Then I heard Joseph Prince and I was like, that's the truth of separating the old covenant from the new covenant, rightly dividing the word. Follow me? That, hey, the old covenant were types and shadows. Jesus is the good thing of, to come. He is the title deed. But here's what I found. I, saw, I still found kind of empty. And I still felt like, okay, I still have to produce this stuff, etc. And then I saw, uh, actually what happened to me is, is um, I can't remember her name yet. I, I came across this lady. She ran the, the Karis Bible School in uh, Texas. She's not there anymore, but I, I came across this YouTube video and she goes, penal substitution, penal means penalty, that this, this idea that God had to send his son because his wrath had to be poured out on Jesus she was a little fiery for my taste, but here's what it said, because it was kind of like, um, it can get really charismatic and weird to me. That's, the, that's a lie from the pit of hell. She was going, I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting, because that's what I was taught, that he had to pour out his wrath on Jesus. He was so angry that he killed his, other, he killed his son, and now we're supposed to trust him, because he's angry. He's not angry anymore, because he killed somebody, but now we can trust him again. And what a bizarre deal that is. Isn't that what we're taught, though? And then, then she started going through it and I found a, a video of Baxter Kruger and I, I was like, hallelujah, man. This is it. This, this was the missing piece for me. And here's where it all happened, guys. If you can get this. See, the early church fathers taught union. And doesn't it make sense? Jesus came to show us that we're unified. We're, we're a joint heir. We're married to him. Marriage was to have become one, right? So the early church fathers, all John, Paul, all the writers taught all humanity was unified in Christ. It's true if you go look at the early fathers. In the fourth century AD, there was a huge split in the church, to be honest with you. And this is what Paul was talking about in Timothy. He said, hey, hey uh, and you don't have to believe me. I would just tell you to, to go look it up yourself. But when I caught it, I was like, oh, God, all the scriptures just explode to me now in goodness where we don't have to make God this weirdo that we can't understand. He was always pure love. He always wanted all humanity in. You're not in because you're this denomination. You're not in because of that. All humanity was in him. Now, they wanna jump away to universalism and I'll tell you where that goes. Does that mean that everybody um, is, is enjoying the fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? No, in fact, most Christians are not because they still think that sin separates us from God. So here was this idea, Greek philosophy and all pagan mythology is this, is God's over here on this mountain 
And were these little grasshoppers and ants separated from him? And we need to do, if, 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 if he sends like Hurricane Irma or something, what did, they, what did all these cultures teach? Sacrifice some kids to appease that angry God. Every culture, every religion, everybody has it. So Jesus comes along to, did Ab- was Abraham into that? Yes, he was Abraham at the time. So here's God, he goes, Abraham, you're gonna understand this. Is, is, uh, I'm gonna ask you to sacrifice a son because that's what you're used to. All humanity, all religion, all does this. So they go up the, 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 the hill, but I'm gonna do something to prove to you that uh, this isn't a religion, this is a relationship between me because I'm not gonna ask you to sacrifice your son. The creator of the universe is gonna die for you because I love you. I'm gonna die for you. You're not gonna have to give some, one of your own kids to appease me. I'm gonna come down on a human level, become a human, and I'm gonna die your death out of love for you, and I'm gonna unify you back into me. The early church fathers taught that, guys. In about fourth century AD, we started this Greek philosophy where God's over here, man's over here, and he's ticked, and you need to do these things to get back to him. That's why we've, we've done all these weird religious things to somehow get back into him where our condition is we could never do it and he had to do it for us. It truly is finished. He did it all. What did he do? All is all. It was finished. So let's go through scripture. Once you start getting that, now that you realize that all creation, things in heaven, things in earth, things below the earth, is it all created? And it's held together by what? Him, the word. Man, now science and everything starts exploding, doesn't it? Like, ah, that's why. That's why, that's why we know things about people intuitively because every atom in the universe has him in it and it's held together in it. If somehow we were over here before we quote unquote got saved, how were you alive? Think about that. You can create life without him? You were born? He's not in you yet. You gotta ask him someday to get him in you. But I'm alive. See all the weird stuff we've been taught? It starts to fall apart in a hurry. How was he alive? How were we alive if we were outside of him? Even Hasetan, Satan, is a creature, isn't he? He's created. He didn't exist before God, did he? It says, in the beginning, there was God and, and the Father and the Son face to face in perfect harmony. Before everything else, there was relationships, is what he said. A perfect love relationship. He had to create Hasetan or Satan, the creatures. They can't even have life outside of him. But Greek philosophy taught, we're separate, so all of you are separate because of your sin. Now we're gonna go to scripture and see if it actually backs it up, which it falls apart in a hurry. And it's such great news, guys. That's why I don't wanna, gosh, the gospel, I'm not trying to irritate some of you guys. I'm really not. I'm trying to show you how beautiful this gospel is, but it's like it causes gnashing of teeth between people that were like the older brother. I've done all this stuff my whole life, and you're telling me I didn't have to do any of it? Yes! Before the foundation of the world, he found us in him. That's a, that's a mind bender. You gotta drop acid to understand that one. And I haven't, so I don't understand it. So listen, that's what, when you read scripture and you actually start getting into the interlinear, the original Greek and Hebrew, it literally says, we were in Christ before Adam ever fell. Whoa. It's a trip. So, but that was the good news. So let's go through scripture, okay? All right, union, not separation. See, the early church fathers, Paul, John, all taught union. You're unified, you're a joint heir, you're married to me. About 480, we started getting this weird Greek mythology, pagan philosophy that the Western church, unfortunately, most of us, the split, the Orthodox still believe in union. You know what Catholic, you know what Catholic even means? Some of you guys that, like myself, grew up catechism and such, you know what Catholic means? Universal atonement. Woo, oh. So, <laughs> hey, I'm actually pleasantly surprised. I've been getting email messages from all over the world going, this is the most liberating thing I've ever heard, honestly. So I'm like, praise God, man. I thought you were gonna stone me and stake me to the cross. Uh, so every religion in the world has God separated from man and man must be appeased this angry God. Doesn't that sound like most of the Christianity you were taught, right? It creates religious activities to get back to him, not meaning that, from the foundation of the world, this mystery was hidden, but now it's revealed to you, which was Christ in you, this confident expectation that you're gonna be glorified. That was the mystery that you're not gonna be separate from me, I've been in you. 
Hallelujah. And I'm in all creation. So he is love, he is life, and he is light, right? And his light doesn't change, meaning that if I shine a light at this on earth, earthly light, does it cast a shadow? But his light says, as there's no shadow of turning, it pierces through everything. So light shined in the darkness. We can't see, but we didn't understand it. Does that make sense? So his light is, his, his, he withholds everything. He is in and through every atom in the universe. And he is life, and that, life was, that light was the light of men. Doesn't it say that? So if all of life, if he's in every atom in the universe, see, once you understand this, you start realizing that it was all wrapped up in the first atom, it's all wrapped up in the second atom. So when life died, what happened? All died. But when life rose again, what happened? All rose. I recreated humanity. I recreated the creation. It says God was in Christ reconciling the creation to himself. Whew. Man, it's so good. So anyway, but we think we're separate because that's what we've been taught our whole life. Even the little kids know that he's my dad, man. God's good. We have to be taught anger, strife, all these different things. We have to taught religious activities to get to him. Um, and so we always come short and it continues to harden our hearts so we don't enjoy the intimate relationship with the loving father. Is this starting to make sense? That's why when you see the, the love code and the healing code where they go, man, we get, we get results that the church doesn't get, yet we're supposed to be sharing the good news. It's the power of, the, the power of God unto salvation. My journey was, I saw all this stuff. We saw every miracle. We performed almost every miracle except raising the dead. Is that accurate? I, and I shouldn't even say that. We didn't perform Jack. Does that make sense? It was him living through us that it surprises us, and that's how it should be. Whoa, you were healed, really? I don't remember praying for you. Praise God. Must have been because I prayed and fasted, and I was in the word so much that day that I healed you. No, we can't heal a squat. We can't give life to a peanut. But we can create our own life. That's weird. Anyway, you guys understand what I'm saying? It's, it's because we're unified with him. We share him, and we just pray for people and expect him to do stuff. Follow me? And why does he do it? Because he loves us. That's it. And then we put all these weird conditions. Well, you need to have faith and unbelief and belief. And no wonder we're a mess, guys. We separated from the perfect love. Perfect love would never have any of those conditions. Perfect love does stuff because of one reason, one reason alone. I love you. That's why I would do that. Follow me? All right, next slide. Let's keep, let's, let's hurry up. Colossians 1.12. I'm going to read it quick in here, and then I'm going to read it out of the mirror Bible, and we'll be done, because I think this makes sense to you guys. All right, giving thanks to the Father. Who, so I want you to start looking at this, that, that uh, all were in the first Adam, all were in the second Adam, because the first Adam, how many died? All. Did you have any participation in being in the first Adam? All were in Adam, is what it says, and that's a type and shadow of good things to come. The old covenant brought what? death the new covenant brings what life but all we're in adam it's a type and shadow of what good things to come if if the first adam caused death what might be a good thing life it's actually quite simple but we we can't accept that we were all in jesus we can't accept that we were all in the second adam because it gets rid of all your theology does that make sense but it says he is a type and shadow that's why Paul was like, hey, listen, I came to you and I didn't teach anything but one thing, which was what? Christ crucified. That, I struggled with that for a long time. Like, why is that the only thing Paul knows? He doesn't know. Man, how can all these seminary guys know a lot more, right? He goes, listen, I didn't proclaim to know Jack, who wrote two-thirds of the Old Testament, or the New Testament, but Christ crucified. Why was Paul so excited? He goes, I cannot contain myself, because I conclude if one died, what happened? All died, that's what he was so pumped up about. What was he really trying to show us? That we were all included in Jesus. Hey, you were baptized into his death. <clears throat> if we wanted to throw you in water, I'll throw you in water, but your real baptism happened when? When he went under the River Jordan. Because he's our representative. We're in him. Does that make sense? This is what got Paul so excited. I concluded that if one died, everybody died. So the penalty for meeting from the, the tree, the, the, not even the penalty. See, I even get caught up in these words. The result of us eating everything, anything other than pure love, eating from good and evil. If I'm good, I'm going to be accepted. If I'm evil, I'm not going to be accepted. Both of them separate you from the fathers, what I showed you. 
you know, the prodigal son. Hey, the good guy didn't enjoy the father. He didn't even come to the party, right? The bad guy thought he was separate because he went to Vegas and spent all of his money on hookers and coke. So he comes back to the father, expects just to be made a servant, this lowly thing. And what was the father's reaction? I love you. That was awesome. I was with you the whole time. And what does the guy who did everything right do? Yes, the son's back. I'm not going to celebrate because I'm ticked. See, that's what the parables were about. The parables were all showing the Jews that you're 180 degrees off. You think you're in, and my job was to get the whole world in through one. Does that make sense? And he goes, you're going to be surprised. You're going to be left in darkness and gnashing of teeth because you can't accept the good news, and it's going to be angry. (laughs) Follow me? So here, let me tell you this little story. You're going to work your tail off all day. You're going to go into the the the, the field, and you're going to work your whole day. Then Nathan and I show up at the end and go, we're here. You're still hiring. We waited till the, the, it was, right? We were both farm kids. We understand this, don't we? They come when all the work's done and, and uh, it's not hot anymore because they work through all the heat, the sun. Smart farm kids go, oh, hey, dad, there's anything left to do? And now we got it all. Who got what? They got the same thing. Meaning that your work, no work means nothing. You all get the equivalent, which is me. That's what all the parables are about. Anyway. All right, so if you understand that, we're never separated from him. He died so we could all die, so he could raise us all again because the, the, the result of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil separated us from pure love, even though he didn't separate from us, but in our minds, we thought we were separate. That caused death, and he goes, unless I do something, you're gonna spend forever believing that you're not in relationship with me, and that's hell, isn't it? To feel like we're not loved by the Father because we did something wrong, or we could never do enough good. We can never get his, his perfect love. And we both sides miss it. He goes, you need to know that I'm unconditional love and you never missed me. I died for you, but I also rose you with me. Now there's a new covenant, all are in me. Now it's whether you receive that or not, it's whether you're experiencing heaven or hell. But even heaven and hell is not this distance thing. All creation is in him and held together by him. That's, where, that's a real trip if you go read Psalm 139 because we think that heaven's this place completely separated from God. Hell. We think heaven's, we think we're separated and somehow we're going to get to him. Don't we? It all comes from this wrong thinking that we're separate. So anyway, let's read Colossians. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who qualified us? He did. He has delivered us. If you go look at the tenses, it's a done deal. He's delivered us. Right? Once you start to see this, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. What is the power of darkness? Can't see. Is it the kingdom of darkness? What all of us have been told. Satan doesn't have a kingdom. He's a created thing. All things are in and through him so Christ would have preeminence. The power of darkness is we can't see. All of a sudden somebody turns the light on and what happens? Oh, I can see I'm not tripping anymore. I can see that I'm in him. So he's delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the sun. What's his kingdom all about? His love, right? In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of his sins. When did we have redemption? When he died. That's why Paul goes, I didn't know anything. I don't profess to know anything except Christ died. He was so excited because he goes, all of us were in that death. So we've been set free from the law of sin and death. Now there's nothing to do but eat from the tree of life. That's why in the end of Revelation it says, listen, the doors are open (laughs) And the spirit and the bride say, come on in, guys. The party's good in here. The whole thing. But we're teaching this weirdness. Until you get him in you, you're going to burn in hell. How many guys know it says, the the good news leads to metanoia, repentance. Most of the gospel that you heard was it good news. You better get to them on their deathbed. Because if they don't say the magic words, they're going to spend their life in torment but Jesus taught the Pharisees he goes you're experiencing torment and gnashing of teeth right now because you can't see what's true about you you're still working trying to get in get it whoa hopefully you're just trying to comprehend this so all right he has delivered us from the power of darkness we can see wasn't that what Saul Saul saw a great light and scales came off his eyes 
What happened? Did he say the magic words? He must have. <laughs> he must have. Somebody sent him to the 1040 window and they found him. So, and that's why I just joke about it. I go, we can hardly find our iPhones most of the time, but we found him, right? It's just goofy. See, we were the sheep that went astray and what did he have to do? He had to put us on his shoulders and bring us back to God because we couldn't find Jack. We were in darkness. We couldn't see anything. We were the coin that was lost. Did the coin go find the owner? Say, hey, here I am. What, 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 he's try, trying to teach, this is what the kingdom is. Unless I come get you, you're in a heap of trouble. Right? Anyway, so in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We have it. The world has it. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So he's the Im image of the invisible God. Other scriptures say he is the fullness of the Godhead. What's the Godhead? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All of that was contained in a body is what it says. So if you didn't understand Jesus, he is the fullness of God, everything God is, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in a body so you can't miss him. You guys missed it through scripture, so I'm gonna come as the true word of God and you can't miss me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So everything, I, I can't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. So as Jesus was forgiving the sinner, what is the Father doing? Forgiving the sinner. When Jesus was angry at people putting unequal yokes on people that they themselves can't do, was he, was he happy about that? No, he said, he goes, here's the thing. He goes, you, you think you get people saved and then you bring them back to Jewishness and he goes, you've made them twice as much the son of the devil. What? They hear the good news, then you go, that's not enough. You gotta do these religious things. Now you've made him twice as much the son of the devil is what it says. Now you start putting these scriptures together going, whoa, man, my theology is a little messed up, isn't it? So, if you've seen Jesus get angry at religious people saying you need to do these things, then is the Father angry at those people? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit angry at that? Yes. And so, if you say you have to do these things, what are you doing to the Holy Spirit? Quenching it and grieving it. We taught when you sin, you've grieved the Holy Spirit. He goes, no, the Holy Spirit is, you teach this amazing gospel, and then somebody comes along and goes, that's not enough. That's quenching the Holy Spirit and grieving it. Does that make sense? I was taught you chew gum in church that grieves the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Wait a minute, I thought he was slow to anger. <laughs> My mother was quick to anger because she knew Jesus, she knew the Bible. I'll kill you. Because if you know all the words but know, don't know what it means, it kills you, is what it says. Does that help you guys? All right, next slide. For 16, ooh, this, mm, this is so good. For by him, how are we doing? All right. For by him, all things, how many things? created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible he's paul's trying to show you everything the spirit realm the physical realm everything is in him is it not they're all created things they cannot have life without the life giver can they all right so for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible whether thrones dominions principalities or powers all things were created through him and for him all right? And he is before all things, before everything else he was. In the beginning was the word, and the word was face to face with the Father, with God, and he was God. But somehow, when he was hanging on the cross, he became un-God, and God had to pour out his wrath on himself, but a house divided against itself cannot stand. And he calls that teaching his Beelzebub. But that's been taught for Western evangelicals for 2,000 years. Almost every seminary in this country teaches that. That's why we're a mess, in my opinion. I go, we're not teaching this. So, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Different translations say, he holds together everything that's created, visible and invisible, even the spirit realm. He's in and through everything. Right? But you're outside. Until you say the magic words. See how divisive that causes the world to look at Christians? See, our message is, man, he loves you and you're in. The good news leads to metanoia. Not the good news plus if you don't accept this good news, you're gonna burn in hell. He doesn't add that part. We add that part. It says the, <laughs> the good news leads to changing. We want them to change their behavior. You're over here behaving badly, you bad Christian person, you. Non-Christian person, you, you Gentile, you dog, you outsider. Yet, Peter, when he go, go read Acts 2, when Peter's gonna go talk to the 
Gentiles, right? See, this is, this is the story of Jonah. If you go look at it, where was Peter when he got the message to go talk to the Gentile? Joppa. Yes. Did he want to go? No. Where do you want to go? Everywhere but there. Does that make sense? And Peter's name was son of Bar Jonah. Bet you didn't learn that in seminary, but I know the Bible. All right, anyway. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist or are held together. We know that. See, I learned that in Word of Faith. It's the power of his word that holds all things together. Yeah, but you don't believe it. Because you believe they're out, everybody else is outside and you're a good little Christian and you're inside. And your faith got you in. Show me how to do it. Do it again. Because if I know how to do it, then we can just do it for people. You can't create it. He had to do it. And he is the head of the body, the church, which is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Why? See, the Jews didn't believe in this fiery hell. You know what they believed in? Death. Sheol, Hades, this place where the dead goes is in the sea. That's why in the end of Revelation it says there's no sea. Because this guy, this father on the mountain slayed the dragon and the serpent that came out of the sea. And now there's no more sea. That's why I said the, the holding place for the dead was Sheol. Right? Because why? Because he had to rebirth humanity and bring them out. He had to be the first one. Does that make sense? So there was this holding place, and you look at Mary and Lazarus, she goes, Jesus, if you would have come earlier, man, he went to died. They were not talking about, he went to hell because he didn't say the magic words. They did not say that. There's nothing in the Torah that you'll find about that. Nothing. What did the Jew believe? We just don't want to die. We want to live forever in the Father's presence. And Jesus says, no, I'm the life and the resurrection. And she goes, yeah, yeah, I know. Someday we're all going to be raised from the dead. He goes, no, it's right here. I, I'm the guy that they're talking about. I'm the guy that's going to go down to Hades and Sheol. And Father, you're not going to leave me down there. You're going to take me up. And now when I rebirth all humanity, all of you are made to sit together with him in heavenly places, far above every other principle. You guys get it? It's so simple. But it, when we have this outside and we're inside and he's out and we've got to climb in and accept him in, I go, too late, he's in and through and through everything. He, all things are held together by him. He's already in there. And everyone in the new covenant says, everybody's going to know that I'm already there. Everybody's going to know me. How? Because I am going to give you a new heart and I'm going to put my teachings on your heart. Don't we all know when we do something bad just intuitively? Little kids, don't we? You get caught with your hand in the cookie jar, what do the kids do? We all know. We all know, don't we? Anyway. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead? Why? Because he, he had to be the first fruit. He had to go down and conquer sin and death and come out. And he raised a bunch of people with him. Grandpa was cruising around, Jerusalem. And yet it said the Jews still wouldn't believe even if somebody was raised from the dead. Is what the parable of Lazarus was all about. They're still not going to believe you were their light, the Messiah. They're still going to be believing in his works and some, it's, it's to come in the future. But those who believed that he was who he says he was and we were all included in him, if we receive that message, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, man, we're going to live. Does that make sense? All right. So, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead? Then all things. He's trying to give you, he's trying to show that there's nothing excluded outside of me. Visible, invisible, every realm, everything is in me and through me and of me. So that I may have preeminence. And preeminence means there's nothing else but me. Get it? All right, next verse. How, how are we doing? Is this making sense to any of you? Yeah. Or is it making you all angry? Okay. <laughs> Me, it gets, I get happy about it because I go, now the message is so simple. I go, Justin, the gospel's good. You're in. He keeps no record of wrong, man. He, it doesn't matter. That goodness, when we preach his goodness, that he'll always bless you, he'll always favor you, despite anything you do. See, the, the people don't dare teach that because they have a legalistic heart and they think God's angry at their behavior. Was God angry at Adam and Eve's behavior? No, no. He was angry at who told you that? Right? And it says, but I'm going to preserve a way. On the east end of the garden, I'm going to put two cherubim. Where else do we see two cherubim? The mercy seat. And there's going to be this sword <coughs> that goes like crazy. Right? 
He is the sword, is what it says. He is the Shekinah glory of God. So this, these two angels on the east end of the garden and this, this flaming sword are gonna preserve the way to the tree of life. I'm gonna preserve a way back and it's gonna be the mercy seat, Jesus Christ. Amen? So when, when the disciples ran in and they, and I think it was Mary, wasn't it? Mary followed him into the tomb. It says the stone was rolled away. What was, what's the stone representative? Legalism, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You fig tree, nobody should ever eat from that tree again. And word of faith made it into some faith project. You've missed the meaning of this thing, right? We're still trying to throw mountains into the sea. We're missing the whole, have you ever seen anybody do it? And he said, if you had a mustard seed, you could do it. Who is the only dude that can throw the mountain of legalism into the sea where it's gone forever? Jesus Christ. We've made it a faith project. And Jesus is going, no, no. Every religion has God's on this mountain. So he's talking to Samaritans. It goes, hey, we think we're supposed to worship God on this mountain, Mount Gerizim. But the Jews say, no, no, the right place to worship God is over here. Which one is it? What does Jesus say? Neither. I'm gonna make every mountain low and every plain filled so there's no separation between God. I'm gonna throw that mountain of legalism into the sea and at the end, very end of Revelation it says, there's no more sea. Nobody will ever eat from the, I'm gonna put that mountain of legalism to, into death and never resurrect it. So keep trying to speak at your mountain, throw it into the sea, tell me when you do it. Doesn't that wear you out after a while? Yes. I'm speaking to my mountain. I know it does nothing for your heart. And he said, you're gonna experience the kingdom by when your heart changes. It's gonna produce 30, 60, 100 fold. You stupid mountain, I curse you. Get you out of my life. And inside they're going, oh. where's the whole foods diet? It's killing you. Don't you understand this? So that's why the, the healing code, the love code says, listen, their first thing it says, it's not your fault. If they can get people to, hey, the reason you're going off and doing all these crazy things and the way your life is, your, your health, your, your marriage, your, all these things, he goes, it's not your fault. You were deceived. He was angry at the deception, the power of darkness, to get us to believe something that was totally inaccurate about the Father. And the perfect thing is he loves you perfectly. He blesses you forever. You're a joint heir of Jesus Christ. Anything he has is free. Freely receive. But it has to start with love where you have to get out of, he doesn't judge me. Aren't you glad he doesn't judge us? Because I'm pretty good though, so I don't, I don't have as much to worry about as most of you guys, but. <laughs> no, I know, Michael says. <laughs> I just had an Ananias and Sapphira moment. <laughs> uh, you can raise me from the dead, yeah. Speak to that mountain. Oh, Jesus, Lord, if I'm irritating people, please let them see it's all about you. You did it all. You finished it all. We're in you. Amen? Holy smokes, man. All right. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Everything, every, he just, what did he show that the fullness was? Everything. He's trying to show you that everything, visible and invisible, created above, below, everything. Everything is in me and through me so that everything's about me. So Christ can have preeminence. It pleased the Father that in him all, everything is in him. But Greek mythology, 400 AD, the church thought you're separate from God, your sins separate you. What does that do to our heart? Kills us. What do we start doing? Programs to get back in and please God. What does it do? Hardens our heart more. Now we need 10, 10 reasons to hear God because you can't because you got such a stony heart you can't hear the good news. Does that make sense? All right. And by him, in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile, what did he just list as all things? Everything. Things visible, invisible. This made the Father happy. And by him to reconcile everything I've just listed to himself. Who did it? Him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. When he was born, isn't that what the Holy Spirit, the angels told the disciples? Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. Emmanuel is with us. 
God's coming down as a human. He's going to become a human for the rest of his life. And now we're included in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, seated with him back in a loving family. He never keeps a record of wrong. He loves you perfectly. Now freely receive all the goodness that he has. That's the gospel, guys. That's why we can expect miracle after miracle. Hey, you know what? Hey, things might look a little wrong here, whether it's health or, or business or whatever. He goes, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I'm in this deal with you. I've overcome this thing. Amen? That's why we can have a confident expectation that the best is yet to come, guys. It's good news. Amen? So, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Who made the peace? He did. Verse 21. And you, who were once alienated and enemies because you sinned so badly. Where were we alienated, guys? By believing the wrong thing. Who created darkness? Who deceived you? Who told you that I was mad at you and that you were naked? Why are you afraid of me? I'm perfect love. Right? And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind because we know we're not that good. Right? Yet now, you used to be, but now I'm trying to show you the good news that I died and in you were, you were in me. If one died, all died. But on the third day, he rose for our justification. And it says, don't you know that you were in him? If one died, all died. And on the third day, you rose with him and he made you sit there. He did it. It's finished. Well, not quite finished. Do these things. <laughs> right? In the, oh, you who were once alien in your minds, yet now he has reconciled. He's done it. He has done it. And in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his, how does he see us? Above reproach, set apart, perfect in every way. How do we see us? Typically dirty if you grew up here because your sins separate you from the Father and that was never, ever true. Never true. That's why I love you're teaching that to the kids. Amen, man, because he's a loving father that never kept any record of wrong, right? Yet we were taught he was so angry because he's, man, I, I'm so tired of this, guys. He goes, God is love, he's life, and he's light. That's how he describes himself, right? And his light, because that light goes through every atom in the universe, it doesn't have any shadow or turning. Human light turns, does it not? And casts shadows, my light goes through everything and never turns. There's no shadow created by my light. And I'm in and through and piercing everything, but you can't see it for some reason. Get it? And that light was the life of the world. Everything created has to have in it to have life. So if, if the thing that had life died, all died. And as he rose, since he represented all mankind, when were we born again? He recreated humanity. God was in Christ reconciling the creation to himself. Now, does that mean we sit on, sit on the sidelines and don't go share this with people? No, it says we, we've been given that good message, that gospel of reconciliation, that all creation's been included. Does that make sense? Oh, I forgot to finish Peter. So Peter's in Joppa, said, go talk to the Gentile, son of Bar-Jonah. And so Peter comes and he shows up at whose house? Cornelius, was he a Gentile? Yes, and he goes, don't you know, under, under the Jewish law, I'm not supposed to eat with you dogs. But God showed me, don't tell anybody they're unclean. What's the Christian message, the gospel that you've been taught for 2,000 years? You're unclean. What's the message we're supposed to be teaching them? You are in Christ being reconciled to the world. That good news of reconciliation, if they receive it, they start to experience life because they start to see God as he loves me. That's why a little kid understands this. He loves me and says, now my spirit, which we all knew, we all knew that, man, God had to be good. My God wouldn't kill all these people. And that's weird. He would, he's perfect love. He never keeps any record of wrong. But if I don't say the magic words, I'm in fire for the rest of my life. So get in. says, no, no, when he goes, he goes, he, he loves you. He loved you perfectly. That's why he sent his son. Isn't every scripture, if you go look at it, you'll never find God sent his son because he was so pissed he had to throw it on Jesus. You cannot find it. So here's what Christians do. God is love, he's light, and he's life, but he's just. That's what I hear every time. But he's just. Tell me, show me, show me. Go read Acts 2. 
Peter tells the story, he goes, listen, God's plan was he was gonna have the wrath of man, anger, kill Jesus, that was his whole plan the whole time, so that in, when the sin is greatest, that the lover of humanity was killed by our anger, because we think we're separate from God, I'm gonna use that very act of anger to restore all humanity. Where sin abounds, grace hooper abounds is what it says. The greatest sin was I'm gonna use this thing to kill him. Yet I wrote it. And God can't be against himself, is what it says. I'm just trying to show you all scriptures. So it'll start to explode, honestly. But if you know that <laughs> all, all creation was reconciled, everything that is of him is now reconciled, all died, all rose, the good news is the gospel of reconciliation. Amen. You're in the new creation. All things have become new. It's new. The old man died, the new one's alive. Hallelujah. Now, guess what? I can look at my, my Muslim brother and go, man, God loves you. He loves you perfectly. He died. Don't, man, you're in the club with me, man. You mean I don't have to do all these things, pray 18 million times a day? I said, no, that's what my Bible study does. No, you're in. You mean I don't have to fast? No, that's what Bible school teaches you. No, you're in. He said, eat and drink is what he says. Have fun. Isn't that what it says? That's why I go, most, most, most believers look a lot like Muslims to me. And that's why the Muslims are easy to me. They're fun, aren't they? They're actually fun. It's the guy who grew up in church his whole life, like, <laughs> speaking to my mountain. Anyway, <laughs> in the meantime, it's not working, and you're dying. I go, as soon as you're done with those guys, let me, let me have them, just love on them. Because that good and that God, when you show them that God was never mad at you, he loved you perfectly, he was, everything was reconciled back to Jesus because he had to rebirth humanity. He had to recreate it. Does that make sense? You get it? Does that help? Okay, last slide, we'll be done. All right, my wife's looking at me like, hurry. So 1 John 4, 9. In this, in this, the love of God was manifest toward us, that God sent his only begotten son so all of his wrath could be poured out in him. <laughs> Wait a minute. Jesus sent, the father sent his son, why? So he could manifest his love towards us. Every scripture you'll find why Jesus came is because he loved us. Every single scripture, you won't find one that says, I had to pour out my wrath on my son. God was so angry, he had to pour out his wrath on God. You guys get it? Isn't that weird now? Right? You start to look at it and go, what in the world? I go, I know. Our Sunday school teachers weren't as sharp as we thought they were. So, they couldn't have even been that fun. They made me take my gum out. So, so I put it under her shoe. Anyway. <laughs> in this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world. How? Why? Our life is found in him. He died for all humanity, and on the third day, he rose with all humanity and seated us. He did it. He finished the work. It truly was finished. Does that make sense? He sent his son so all of us would die. He provided the death for us because the, the result of eating from the wrong tree produced what? Death, but I'm gonna preserve a way to life. It's gonna be Jesus. If you eat on me, if you feed on me, not literally. Guys, it's all, it's all. Anyway, he sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. How, that's, why, that's why John and Paul says, listen, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Two have become one. I just, just kind of cruise along with God. And he does his thing. And we just get to participate. Follow me? That's why all of you can pray for ridiculous things and not worry about your faith. Because there was one man's faith that included you into one body and baptized you into one death. It rose to you and baptized you into one spirit, is what it says. There's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no male or female. It's one body, he's the head, he's the preeminent thing, everything, we're all in him. Now we're supposed to tell everybody, nobody's unclean, you're in him. All scripture starts to make sense, actually. So, in this is love. Not that we love God. How many of you guys, you need to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Didn't that ever make you feel like a worm? We used to do that, like... He, there's no way we could love him much as that guy. In this is love, not our love for him, but that he loved us and sent Jesus so he could pour out his wrath on him. You'll never find it, guys. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Isn't it Genesis 3 where it says, I'm gonna preserve the way of the tree of life? It was the mercy seat that he was showing. If you go look up propitiation, guess what it says? Mercy seat. He was the mercy seat. That make sense? 
All right, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this. This is how love is perfect in us. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. You know why? Because you know, we read this scripture, says too, it says we're all going to be presented before the bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. And in our legal minds, it says whether you did good things or bad things in the body, you're all going to have to give account. That's how we read it. But if you actually look at it in scripture, it says it doesn't matter if you worked all day in the sun or you were a total spaz. All judgment is going to be what? In him. And God says, I didn't, God, the father says, listen, I didn't judge anybody. I gave all judgment to the son. And then Jesus comes, he said, I didn't come to judge anybody. But he came to do what? Save us. So when we all go to the judgment seat, what can we all expect? I'm in this deal. You guys get it? We can have boldness in the day of judgment because he sees us all in him. The father didn't judge anybody. I gave that to the son. The son comes, I didn't judge anybody. I just came to save him. So when you, we're going to have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, so are you. You're in him. You're co-equals. You guys get this? this isn't it scripture starting to explode right now? You guys get this? So guess what? We don't have to tell people, you know what, when you, you better act, you say the magic words before you die because when you see him, St. Peter's going to be there and go, eh, trap door, hell forever, go burn. What a nice dad. I'll talk about heaven and hell later. That'll really divide a church. <sighs> heaven and hell is in the presence of the Father. Whether we receive the love or not, it's, he's, a, he's a consuming fire is what it says. One person's, if that consuming fire feels terrible because we think he's judging us forever. Yet he's not. He goes, no, I didn't come to judge you. I came to save you, right? The other person goes, oh, God, that's the greatest news I've ever heard. They're both in the presence of him is what it says. All things that were created in and through him have been reconciled to him. Does the world know it? No, and for 2,000 years, Christianity's done the best to not get him to know it, in my opinion. Sorry, I'm just me, but I'm, I'm going, we can have boldness because as he is, so are we. How did we do that? We didn't. He did it. He finished the work, right? There is no fear in love. But we go, Nathan, unless you do this, it's going to suck. There's no MLB TV. There's no Yes Network. All there's is fire. You don't even get to eat anything. You, get to, you have to eat gluten-free, whole foods, ridiculousness your whole life. That's hell to me. That's like hell. You can put me in there and go, that's enough. Just make me shop there my whole life. <laughs> that would be to me. Like, no, I want to come eating and drinking like Jesus did because as he is, so am I. Thank you, Father. Anyway, because he has his story, there is no fear in love. But the flip side of that, perfect love casts out fear. This is when you can know you're being loved, when you know there's no judgment. That all he has is love for you. Now, now love has been perfected in you, complete in you. Does that make sense? And guess what? When we know we've been perfect and we don't have to all follow the rules, what do we do to other people? We have compassion on them when we, don't, we stop looking at them as unclean. We love them, actually. This is how you're going to know when you start loving the people the church hates. Does that make sense? So there is no fear in love. There's no torment in love because perfect love casts out that fear because fear involves torment. Doesn't hell sound like torment? Is that the message we're supposed to share? No, we're supposed to share the good news because the good news of God leads to metanoia. You're not supposed to be sharing torment, guys. You get it? There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fears involve torment. And I'm not about torment. I'm about perfect love that never kept record of wrong. But he who fears has not understood me yet. We love him because he first loved us. Last slide. Get to your feet. Let's go. All right. Sorry, I've been going on. I'm, just, I'm trying to get you to not throw me out. I'm trying to realize that I'm in and you're in. And it's the best news we've ever heard. It's astonishingly good. The challenge is that it takes away most people's ministry. That's the bummer. That make sense? <laughs> Dude, I can't raise money off my message anymore. <laughs> no, see, it's supposed to be the opposite. It's supposed to be love produces this desire to go, man, I love him because I'm in him. I just, love gives. Does that make sense? So instead of fear, insecurity, and rejection, let him heal your heart and experience life, joy, and confidence. Herein is love made perfect when you realize there's no more torment. There's no more sea. There's no more death. 
That's what Revelation says. There's no more sea because the dead were cast into Sheol, into the sea. At the end of Revelation, it says there's no more sea. The temple gates are open. The bride and the spirit say, come on in, guys. We can all be confident in the day we we appear before him because we're in him. As he is, so are we in this world. That's why we can be be fully confident at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat of Christ. There's gonna be a judgment. And if you read it carefully in the end of the it says it doesn't matter if you're good or bad, you're in. Holy smokes. Your behavior never separated you from his love or blessings and it never can right now. See, this is, we all still hold on to a little bit of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man, we do some stupid things and, and I would just say welcome to the club. We can always expect the very best. He always restores. He's a God of restoration, isn't he? Despite you, I was in and through and with you in your darkest time. Now watch, I'm gonna restore it. Hallelujah. Just make sure you have your unbelief's above your, below your belief. See, we put, now we can't go boldly to the throne anymore. So you can always expect the very best. He restores, he blesses, and never, ever, 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 ever leaves you nor rejects you. The very place where Jesus said, Father, Father, why have you rejected me, basically? If you keep reading Psalm 22, he's fulfilling the Psalms is what he said. But the Psalm of 22, it says, I heard you and I never left you. I went down to Sheol with you and I rose you from there. You guys get it? All right, Reg, you got something? You're looking at me like you do. You got another, you got another word from heaven? No In-N-Out Burger. You've got such a sense of humor. That's how you start. <laughs> He's got an In-N-Out Burger story. Anyway, and then pray. I like it when you pray. Okay, is that fair? Do you guys get something out of this? You guys, you guys okay when Crazy Reg comes up here and shares an In-N-Out Burger story? <laughs> I love Reg. All right, buddy, wrap it up. In February, I got hit with four, four sicknesses. And uh, the cool part, God just said in my spirit. Yeah, he just said, uh, what did he say? It's not your fault, number one. <laughs> number one, he says, not your fault. He said, it is what it is. He said, move on to what it should be. Don't dwell on whatever it is that, that's trying to come after you. Don't dwell on it. Move on. I said, that's great. Fine. And to know that it's not your fault, because we all want to blame ourselves. What did I do? What did I do? It just is what it is. And God has this. And the next month was beautiful. I just moved right out of it. And it all went away. <laughs> I have to do a thing. So, Father God, you're so good. And we thank you for Mike. Thank you for the, for the, the stuff you put inside of his belly because it's starting to flow out to us and we're starting to get it, that you are not mad at us. You are not a vengeful God. You are not mad at, you weren't mad at your son. You were mad at that worm was trying to eat that apple, not us. We are not a worm. We are created. We are awesomely and fearfully made in your image. And you are awesome. And we thank you, Lord. And let us just ponder everything Mike has taught us today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen.